0: So thankful you are here today with us. It's been a great day. Really appreciate the way you praise the Lord together. We got a lot of good things happening as a church. This Wednesday is a really big day. Uh, We try twice a year to have a a day just completely dedicated to prayer. The worship center will be open here from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You're invited just to come through here. There'll be some prayer points. And just come in here and pray by yourself or pray with a group of people Uh, We got a lot happening this fall with kids going back to school and things getting back a little bit normal or who knows. And uh, we need to pray about it. Also, Wednesday night kicks off small groups. If you're new to Landmark, we have two different kinds of groups here. We have ABC groups, which are building based groups on Wednesday night. You can see a list of those here in this little green sheet in your lifelines. And then we also have life groups. Most meet on Sunday. Uh, most meet in homes, and we would encourage you to be a part of that. So, as you can see from our list, it's got a little smaller during COVID. If you're looking to start a group, we'd love for you to start a group. We'd like everybody to find somewhere to have that kind of community. If you come to a, a railroad crossing, uh, we've all been trained, if you're in the middle of the country, to, to simply say, I, I need to stop, and I need to look, and I need to listen. Now, why should we do that? Because it's a dangerous place. Over 600 people lose their life at railroad crossings every year in America because they simply don't pay attention. Today, we're getting to a passage in Hebrews chapter 2 where we're looking at a young group of Christians who are come. To a dangerous place. And, and the writer's actually gonna change the words a little bit. He's gonna say, You need to listen, you need to look, and you need to stop. Many of us have been going through a great Bible study with Bobby Reeves and, and Trey Hayes on Sunday morning in the book of Hebrews. And we found out, despite the fact we don't know who the author was, he was a great preacher, he knew how to bring it. And he's so concerned about the danger these people are in. They're young Christians, they're weary and tired, they're beginning to be tempted to go back into life of sin or to be tempted to go back to their Jewish roots. It's just been a lot harder being a Christian than they thought. And so he's writing these words to say, you need to stop right now and you need to think about what you're doing. He gets the attention very well. Look at verse chapter two, verse one. He says we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken to angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his word. Now, you can tell the key word here, at least to me, is the danger word is drifting. They're they're drifting from where they ought to be. We, we've all experienced this. You ever been to the, the beach, you know, and you get on a raft and you get comfortable. You might even have fallen asleep. And before long, you, you wake up or you look up and you're in a completely different place. It's not the condominiums you were in front of. It's not the beach umbrella that you took. And, and all of a sudden, you have drifted way from where you wanted to be. Or maybe you're a fisherman. You go up on the lake and you start fishing, you get carried away, it, but you've not dropped an anchor. And before long, your, your boat is hitting up dangerously against some rocks. You just drifted. We drift in life. Maybe it's your finances. Just haven't been paying really close attention. And just little by little, you've charged more and more on your credit cards, and you wake up one day, and you've got a boatload of debt. Or maybe in your marriage. You love each other, you've been together, but lots of distractions, lots of children, lots of things going on, and slowly but surely, you drift from each other, and one day you wake up and you feel distance. Now what the writer of Hebrews is saying, this great preacher is, you guys are drifting from God, and you need to wake up and pay attention so that you can get yourself back to where you ought to be. Now guys, here's the problem with drifting. Drifting. It's slow, it's often unnoticeable, drifting takes absolutely no effort, but it still puts you in the wrong place. Now, let's be honest, nobody says, you know what, um, you know, I want to drift into being an alcoholic. You know, I drank a few drinks here to help calm me down with my family, start drinking with friends on weekend. No one no, no, said, no, 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 I really want to get there to that alcoholic point. Nobody says, I want to drift away from God. Nobody says, I want to drift away in my marriage. But it's a natural thing that happens when we don't pay attention. Now, I've been reading through the book of Hebrews this week, because it's such a great book. And just look at some of the things they're drifting into. You might write these down. Here's some of the dangerous places they find themselves. They're drifting into unbelief. The very foundation of their faith is being questioned. They're drifting into sin. They're drifting into immaturity where they can't discern right and wrong. They're drifting into apathy. They're even drifting that slow drift into bitterness. Nobody wants to be a bitter person. You drift into it. And so that's the way they're drifting. It's so easy. Charles Darwin, the famous evolutionist and atheist, wrote in his autobiography... I came to gradually disbelieve Christianity as a divine revelation. Disbelief crept over me at a very slow rate until it was last, at last complete, and I had no belief in God. He drifted into that. Now, if we look a little further in this book, we can also see some of the reasons why they drifted into these things, because it's things they drifted away from from three major things I see here. First of all, they drifted away from the Word of God. They drifted away from truth. You see, the the Word of God is that lie detector in our life. For us to be able to look and say, is this true or is this not true? And they had not been in God's Word the way they should have been. We see that today. Many of us have woke up in a culture that even 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago, we would have never believed would embrace some of the things that we say are okay. We'd have been shocked if anybody said, just 20 years ago, this is where America will go about marriage and sexual ethics. Many of our friends in Montgomery right now are part of United Methodist churches that are struggling with this. The church is being split. Wide open about beliefs, about sexuality and sexual ethics. And every Methodist church in this city and across the world is having to make a choice of what direction they will go. Now, one of my favorite people in Montgomery, and one of the best friends Landmark has ever had is John Ed Matheson, who is longtime Pastor Frazier. I mean, he's a man in the middle of that church who said, No, we're gonna stand for truth. We're gonna stand for what's right. Most people in that group would have never dreamed that they'd wake up in a day where they had to make this kind of choice. You can drift from truth. You can also, one of the problems here in Hebrews is that they're drifting from the church. By the time he gets to chapter 10, he says, man, you guys are starting to neglect the assembly of the saints. That's not a good sign. Why? Because God put us together in a church so that we could Catch each other's drift, you know what I'm saying? So we could stop each other. And yet we know how easy in this crazy busy world we live in that spiritual things are slowly but surely crowded out of our lives. And then on top of that, you throw in the COVID we've been dealing with. Most church students say every church will be at least 20% smaller after COVID. And we see so people, no one set out to quit church. Nobody wanted that. But slowly you get out of the habit. You've stayed home and home and home. And now all of a sudden you've drifted to a place you're not even watching online. It really thrills me about our small groups getting started. So you, I've been blessed to be a part of a really great small group that if, wanted to meet all summer. Just didn't want to take a summer break. In fact, we had our group be exposed to covid A couple weeks ago and so we had to make a decision about whether we were gonna meet or not and so we all talked about it and you know everybody's sort of across the board about how you handle that and we decided the safest thing was to take a break for a week give everybody some time but what I loved is the expression on that group text of we can't go back to where we missed a month or two we didn't do good spiritually then We found out through COVID how badly we needed each other. And even if we don't meet, can we do this awful thing we call Zoom? And so that's what we did. And so guys, it's so easy to drift away from the Word, to drift away from church. And on top of all of this, this is the major drift, is they were drifting away from Jesus. Jesus. You see, guys, the, the reason we need to stay in the Word is because it points to, us to Jesus. The reason we need to stay in church is because we point each other to Jesus. Now, go, go back in chapter 1 of the book of Hebrews real quickly, and he, he's, he's arguing in this book that God's Jesus is everything. Chapter 1, he says he's greater than angels. Chapter 3, he blows them away and says he's greater than Moses. And in chapter 1 to begin this book he says he's the final revelation from God. He's the final word from God about how to live. Listen to verse chapter 1 verse 1. In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he's spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he also made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he set down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He's God's final word. He provides a sacrifice for our sins. And the writer of Hebrews is saying to these people, Have you forgotten how wonderful Jesus is? Have you forgotten how amazing grace is? You know, we spent weeks before this Sunday studying the book of Galatians, God's incredible book on grace where Paul says, man, don't dare drift away from grace and back into law keeping as the basis of your salvation. How in the world? He said, because over here, this is not good news because you can't keep it. And the writer of Hebrews is saying the same thing. How in the world can you go back into Judaism when you've met Jesus? So his answer to drifting comes in two words. Pay attention. You gotta pay attention. We all know how hard it is to pay attention, don't we? I mean, it's a challenge. Often we don't pay attention and we end up you know, maybe we're driving somewhere and we don't pay attention to, you know, um, what's going on in our phone and we end up in the wrong place. We're at the beach and we drift way down the shore and the lake and our boat. We all, we all do it when we don't pay attention. Pretty, pretty easy solution. You ever not paid attention, done something really stupid, raise your hand. Okay, good, good. Some, some of you are still lying, but most of you seem to be honest, all right? The other day, let me just tell you something I, I did so stupid. Um, it was so stupid. Um, I, was, I, was, I was leaving the house and I was in my truck and uh, parked behind the house. And normally there's room to turn around, but, but right now there wasn't room to turn around, so I had to back down the driveway. And our driveway's rather long, and, and I knew I needed to pay close attention because there's a lot of trees really close to the drive. And so I'm, you know, I'm looking at my screen, I'm looking through the rear view mirrors, I'm I'm, I'm actually rolling down the window some, just to make sure, you know, don't want to do this. So I'm making all the way through these trees, and Buddy thinks he's home free. And so he sort of guns it, and he runs right into a brick column. It was quite a noise, even worse than the noise was when my wife was in the front yard and she heard it. Say, Buddy, that was really stupid, say it. You enjoyed that, didn't you? You might want to have said that during Sunday school. Buddy, that was really stupid. And it was. But I I just felt like I was home free and just just went. And we've all done those kind of things where we crash into something we don't want. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is worried about. You guys have got to start paying attention to what's going on in your life. Because Satan doesn't have to come into your life or my life and, and tempt you into some deep, dark, rebellious sin. For most of us, that's not the way he's going to get us. For most of us, the way he'll get us is just to distract our attention so that we drift into spiritual apathy. So what does he say? What's the answer? Well, he verses our stop, looking, and listen into listen, look, and stop. He's asking... Have you really forgotten Jesus? Have you really forgotten grace? You really want to forget this message that was preached to you? Remember in Galatians, Paul said, okay, guys, if you go back into law keeping, you know, you have left the good news of Jesus Christ. And any, even if an angel taught you that, you, you, they would be accursed. And, and the book of Hebrews is saying the same thing. Now, let's think about listening just for a second. There are three different levels of listening we're taught. One is sensing, okay? You just sense something's going on, said music around you. The other is contemplating. You start thinking about what's being said. And the final level of listening is you've listened deep enough to respond. Now You, you know sort of how this goes. I've had this experience before. You ever been walking down the mall? Okay? And and again, you're sensing there's music around you. I mean you're not really thinking about it. But all of a sudden, amazing grace is mixed in the tunes. And at first again, you're just you're just sensing some music going around you, but then all of a sudden you recognize that classic Christian hymn and and you move from just sensing to contemplating, you think, Isn't that cool? In this secular culture we live in, you still could walk in a mall and on the playlist is amazing grace. What a great—and then you start thinking about the words. And before long, you might find yourself by yourself, walk in the middle of the mall, worshiping God in your mind of those wonderful words. You you, you moved from sensing to contemplating to responding— and that's what he's challenging these people to do. Let me just stop right now and call a little time out here. On, on which level of listening are you right now? Somebody said, but I'm not even at level one yet, Okay. I mean, is you're in this assembly? Do you just just sort of hear? I mean, here we go. You know, we know we sing, and we know. But he gets up and he preaches a sermon. I sort of hear the words, but my mind sort of wonders. You know, and I'm thinking about what ought to go on this afternoon. I'm thinking about will he ever shut up and let me go to lunch? And I'm thinking all, all these. Kind of, I know what you think. Okay. I mean, it's just and and yet you you know you you're missing it, or are you going? You know what? This is pretty convicting passage. If fact like this, doesn't get my attention. This would be pretty hard, and I actually need to to take a moment to contemplate: Am I drifting? And if I'm drifting, where is it taking me? And am I happy where I'm going? And then he says, "You need not only to listen; you need to look." And then he, he really gives a: Why should you listen to Jesus? And the answer is, Jesus has backed up his claims. And so he mentions those who have been eyewitnesses of Jesus, who've heard him. He mentions the signs and miracles and wonders. And he gives us one of the major purposes. You know, we have a lot of discussion about miracles or not miracles and all this. And one of the major purposes of miracles in the Bible was to prove that Jesus was who he claimed to be. So he says, look closely. Look at that hillside in Galilee. There's 15,000 people gathered, listening to Jesus. You think this is long, Jesus preached all day. They're hungry. They they scan the audience, there's five barley loaves and there's two fish. And the disciples panic and say, Jesus, just send them away. And Jesus said, we won't do this. And he takes that food and he blesses it. And before long, 15,000 people are fed and there's leftovers. Who could do that but the Son of God? Or maybe you look and there's a a blind man. He's been blind from birth. All his friends think he must have some kind of sin in his background from his parents. But Jesus thinks he's someone that could bring glory to God. And Jesus heals him. And this blind man goes back in both his family and his synagogue, question him and won't accept it. And finally, he just interrupts it and says, guys, I don't know who you think this guy is. I'm not even sure. But this I do know. I was blind, but now I see. Or look at this frail, feeble woman chasing after Jesus. She's been bleeding for 12 years. And finally, she works through the crowd, and she falls at Jesus' feet, and she touches the hem of his garment, and the bleeding stops, and she's healed. Or look further. There's a tomb outside of Jerusalem. It belongs to Joseph of Arimathea. He loaned it to Jesus for a few days. Jesus had been beaten. He'd been crucified. He's had a spear thrust through him. Water and blood have come out. He's certified dead. His body is closely wrapped. He's taken and put in this tomb with this rock. And just three days later, some of his best friends... Some of the women in his life want to come and anoint his body with spices. They have no clue how they're going to move this stone, but they know they love Jesus. And they get there, and lo and behold, the stone has been rolled away. And they're frightened, thinking someone might have stole the body of Jesus. And they finally get close enough for an angel to say to them, Do not be afraid. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. You see, why do we have those things? It makes Christianity different than any other world religion. It's that we base our belief, Jesus backs up his claim with historical incidents that say he's more than anybody else who's ever walked this earth. So you look. And finally, you just stop. That's what the writer's trying to get us to do. What's the preacher trying to say? Guys, I'm I'm, I'm watching you drift. It's like watching those train tracks and you see a car not paying attention and you see the train coming and you want to scream. And the writer of Hebrews is trying as strong as he can to say, would you just stop? Would you look long enough to look at your life and decide if you're really happy with where you're heading? And that's the purpose of this message today. I ask you today, and I want you to be honest. I want you to pay attention. I need to. Are there signs of drift in your life? I mean, some of us would probably admit if we got really honest, we're actually doing things we never dreamed we'd do. We've got attitudes we never thought we would possess. We've got apathy even about Jesus that we didn't think was possible. We got some habits and some addictions that we can't beat, and we 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 never set out to be here. We just drifted into this position. And I want to ask you a few other things because the problem is not just where you drifted. The problem is what you've drifted from. Let me ask you these questions: Have you drifted from the Word of God? What kind of life does God's word, what kind of prominence does it have in your life? Are you personally in the Word? Are you joining the church like so many of you did at 10 o'clock this morning, in community Bible study? Or are you willing to, to put your life under the authority of God's word? Because I'm telling you guys, if you just go the natural way in the culture we live, you're not going to stay with truth. Or you've been drifting from church. We know it's so easy. Some of you, who years ago, you would have never in your world thought about missing one service. Now you miss a bunch. And you've drifted so far become so apathetic, you don't even think about it. It's become a lifestyle. And as you put all these things together, are you drifting from Jesus? You remember those moments when you were so close to him? When when you loved him and all you wanted to do was to please him, when you couldn't get over his grace and his mercy and just, Jesus, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. And now you've drifted mentally so far, you don't really think about him a lot. Are there signs of drift in your life? The purpose of this message, the purpose of what this preacher says, is please stop and think about this. One of my favorite preachers is Andy Stanley. And one of my favorite quotes from him is this We plan toward what is good, we drift toward what is bad. Because if you just don't plan, if you just let the natural man take over, you've got a sinful nature. I do too. You don't just say, well, you know, what happens happens, you know, and I'm just sort of floating. No, 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 no. You just float along. You'll end up in the wrong place. You've got to make a conscious decision that you're going to plan, that you're going to pay attention toward what is good. Because listen to me. Listen closely. All you've got to do to drift is Nothing. It'll happen. I like how William Barclay, an older preacher, translated this long time ago. Therefore, we must more eagerly anchor our lives to the things we've been taught, lest the ship of life drift past the harbor and be wrecked. So every once in a while, guys, we need a preacher. We need somebody to get In our face and say, are you drifting? Many of us men, or any of us who were here Monday night, we had that happen. We had one of our very best grid irons, I know we always say that, but there really, I don't think has ever been a more spiritually pointed, convicting message than what Mark Rick brought to hundreds of men. I knew it was going to be good that afternoon, as we're sitting, sort of talking to Coach Rick and Doug Amos, who does so much of our gridiron, is, you know, sort of prepping him on some of the questions for that night and asking him some football questions about the playoffs and about conference expansion and things like that. And, you know, he's answering, but in the middle of Doug's question abruptly, he asked Doug, Doug, are we going to just talk about football tonight? If that's what we're doing is just talking about football, I could do that on a Zoom call. We knew at that moment was this man came here with a mission, and he got up before us, and he was entertaining, and he was funny. It was very sad to watch how far Parkinson's disease had taken his body, but I mean, he had no problem speaking. And he, he told his story, he told a story of going to Miami and being a backup quarterback, and then trying to live out his dream in the NFL, and he always ends up not making the team. And how lucky all the guys were that beat him out. Then he tells about when he was at Miami. His best friend was the top partier on the team. And Mark Rick had just been living that kind of life. He comes back one semester, and this guy's changed. He's met Jesus. And he actually sits Mark down and tells him about Jesus and challenges him to give his life. And to Jesus. He's drawn to it, but there's too much pressure from the people around him, and, and so he doesn't do it. So he keeps on living that lifestyle, finally ends up as a graduate assistant at Florida State. There was a player shot, and Coach Bowden, who I hate to tell you, we found out this morning passed away today. Coach Bowden brought the whole team together. You ever been around him? He's a man of great faith. So after the shooting, he brings the team together, and he sits them all down in their room, and he brings out a chair. And he says, guys, we all know what happened. I've got to ask you a question. If you had lost your life, and you were sitting in this chair, where would you go? If your life were taken from you right now, Do you know where you would go? And he did a beautiful job convicting those players. But little do you know, behind the players was this young coach who was even more convicted. Who went to his office the next day and said, Coach Bowden, I heard what you said. I need to give my life to Jesus. And Bowden talked him into surrendering his life to Christ. He talked about how different it was. And then he fast-forwarded the end of his speech to the year 2019. Him and his wife are at a gym working out. And all of a sudden, he's seized by a terrible heart attack. He's rushed to the hospital. He's on this operating table, feeling like his life is gone. His widowmaker is 100% blocked. About seven or eight stints put around his heart. He thought he's gone. And he experienced the most amazing thing he was at absolute peace. He said to himself, I really don't want to leave my wife or you don't want to leave my children. But man, God, if this is my time, I have no problem with it. I've got this peace that doesn't even make sense. And then he turned to us men. And he asked a question that, quite frankly, we don't ask enough anymore. My apologies. If your life was to end right now, do you know where you're going? If you knew you were on your deathbed, would you feel peace? Needless to say, he got our attention. And this morning, I pray that this has gotten your attention, that you've been willing to listen to actually contemplate. And in this moment, you might even respond. You may need to come before the church and confess, I'm in a place I don't want to be. I didn't set out to be here. But like many people, first service said, I've just drifted. As one lady said, I've drifted so far and I don't know how to find my way back. My friends, that's why you need the Word. That's why we need each other in the church. That's why we need Jesus. And so this morning as we sing, if you need to confess something, if you need to rededicate your life to follow Jesus, if as we've gone through this, you thought, oh, my goodness, this is me. I'm drifting. Stop the drift right now. You can do it right now as we stand and sing.